I think I think what I'm going to do is get right to uh, our guest this morning. Normally, I, I force them to wait, <laughs> but today's a special day. I, uh, if you've been following my um, messages, you can zoom in this morning. Uh, there's a Zoom link on all the e-blasts I sent out, and you can join us live and and get to see us uh, live and in person as we do the as we do this interview. It's it's kind of a new thing for KXFM uh, station here. We've I've been trying it on and off for the last three months, and I think we've we really got it dialed in a lot better than we've we've had in the past. And so, uh, when I have guests remotely, which is the only way I can have them anymore because of our lockdown, uh, we are considered an essential service. So I, I'm blessed with that, and uh, we can have the station open for broadcast, but no guests or any extra visitors or no one else in there except those that are announcers that are there for business. So uh, that includes me, I guess. So I, I'm here <laughs> on KXFM Rainbow Radio. Uh, my guest is, special guest this morning is Adrian Christian. And uh, we go back a little bit. There is some history there. He's been on the program before. Um, and uh, I'm going to turn him on here, as they say. Are you there, Adrian? I sure am. How are you, Craig? I'm doing great. You look so festive with your Christmas tree and your fire. Are you in the industry, the movie industry, choreography and all that stuff? Yeah, I'm on set. This is a movie set. No, this is my home. And, uh, and I was going to, um, you know, we, uh, we talked about uh, like doing it from my studio office where you see my, my background uh, uh, mixer and all of the recording gear. But, you know, I thought this special little Christmas edition, it would be great. I mean, how many times we get to do this on Christmas? And uh, so I'm, we're from my living room. So we set up my living room. And just by the seat of my pants, I don't know how I got this beautiful this early. I was going to say, well, you did well. <laughs> you know, my, my only downside with the, with the uh, Zoom and KXFM and my program, first of all, for a uh, Three years, I come in in shorts and flip-flops. Yes. Not necessarily have done much with my hair, which is really important to me. And it doesn't matter, you know. As my mm -hmm. friends all say, get a face for radio. So, I, Well, so, me too. Look at this hair. I mean, goodness. You no, know, okay. it looks great. So <laughs> now I have to, you know, kind of be try to pretend to be respectable. I can still, I guess, wear shorts, you know. Yeah. <laughs> You could still wear briefs, you know. It's but, like uh, <laughs> Zoom. There's so many. Um, well, if you do wear attractive ones, that's all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that so many people have had uh, missteps with Zoom, and mm -hmm. realizing that they're on or there's something in the background that they forgot about, like on the mm -hmm. computer. Oh, mm -hmm. I shouldn't have left that out there. <laughs> I was going to bring my dog, but he's like taking a nap up, upstairs somewhere so you know so i thought in case he doesn't show up i got my little substitute over oh. here yeah. <laughs> so. well if you're wondering uh, who uh, adrian christian is and why i have him on the program he has released uh, a song uh, that he recorded fairly recently in um nashville right right and it's a Christmas song, and it has the potential to become a landmark Christmas song, I hope. 
And coincidentally, we also have the person who actually wrote the song on the program this morning, and that's Rick Cateras. Uh, and I'm saying that wrong. Rick, you can unmute your mic if you want. Caritas. 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 That's right. Caritas. Caritas. Let's just call Sudi Caritas uh, is his, uh, well, Rick, Rick is his industry, but Sudi is his, I'm speaking for him because everybody asks him the same question. But, um, but Sudi, like, you know, like, you, okay, you know, this is the best way to explain it. You know how Madonna has albums out and she's Madonna but uh, when you see when you look at the liner notes on her songs that she's written as a songwriter and the publishing it's Madonna Ciccone oh I did not know that right her legal name so that's what Sudi Karatas is about okay so did I explain uh, that right yeah sounds good to me Again, uh, <laughs> I, I, I even thought her first name wasn't really Madonna. It's uh, her legal name is something else. Is it is Madonna it? Louise? Oh, it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh my. Mm-hmm. Well, you're industry experts as you guys are. You, you would know. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, not. I mean, it's not the first song you've uh, sung, produced, uh, Ad- Adrian. Um, give us a little. My son just there. arrived. Oh, if if you're out there listening and you want to drop in on our Zoom, it's uh, it's a really a Christmassy looking Zoom here. <laughs> it sure is. Merry Christmas, everyone. So the email. <laughs> yeah, it's a little different than Joan Crawford's Christmas, but it's pretty good. Um, so where were we? Um, yes. So the song, right? You were asking about the song. Well, just, you know, there's some history behind in your um, background. It's not just something you got up one day and instead of going to the office and, um, you know, doing spreadsheets or something for some big corporation, you decide you want to write a song. Mm-hmm. You've, been, you've been involved in the industry for years and have released several songs and you actually have been on tour with a couple of them, right? Right. So there was, you know, so I, I started in the, in the industry uh, with a nightclub act when I was 15 years old and then, wow. um, and then had a, uh, a, a real, and then I had a, like a single in the dance clubs in the year 2000. And the problem there was that the doors were not open for somebody who was out, gay and out. And I was, yeah, yeah it wasn't, it wasn't ready. And, um, was, and so what, then. I got I want more details on this one. Yes, please. Sure. <laughs> where, where, uh, where were you at this, where was this club and what year was it? Do you, do you mind, if you don't mind? Well, um, <laughs> you're trying to get the years out of me. All right. So, um, well, the, I, I started in a nightclub called The Apartment in the Bronx and um, Le Jardin and Rose Saigon and The Red Zone and the, the, the Red Zone. And, um, and I played the Copacabana and this was like in the 90s. Well, were any of them considered gay or were they considered straight and you were the gay person? Well, a lot of clubs had gay nights. But there were some clubs. The apartment was a, a completely a gay club. And there where I was 15 years old. And it was, um, uh, you know, and there were no boy singers. It was just drag queens lip syncing in a gay club, in a gay bar. So I was doing a live act, you know, sequins and all. But I was doing a li- as a guy, not as a girl. Right. And... And no one had, no one did that. I mean, you know, and then of course, you know, the village people hit mainstream and they broke out, you know, but they came from the underground too. Um, And so, 
Um, so it was, but there was a song that hit uh, in Chicago and um, it got the attention of a major record label. And I sat in this meeting with them and there was a consideration for me to get a, you know, have a contract, but they wanted me to play straight. And I walked away from the deal. Oh my. Yeah. Yeah. So I walked away and then I, yourself. Yeah. I, I mean, I had an off Broadway show at the time with me, but not my wife. And, um, and I was, you know, doing the parades, I was doing the pride marches. It just seemed like it didn't make any sense. So, um, so I walked away from that deal and I don't regret it today. I kind of, you know, I was kind of grumbling when other people that I knew had made it, but they were gay and they had kept silent, you know, um, Ricky Martin. Um, but we, um, but I feel like today we're kind of balancing out and it's, it's a, it, it it's just doesn't matter anymore, you know? And so, and of all things, I branch into Christian music because I moved to Los Angeles and I see, uh, 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 you know, inclusive churches that open its doors to me to have a ministry. So from there, things were moving along. But what happened was the Supreme Court ruling uh, gay marriage. When that happened, everything changed. And suddenly people wanted to work with me. And I got to record and I got to um, work with, meet my producer, Kevin Leach. And we did the first single, All Consuming Fire. And then we did the EP. And then I did a 50 city tour and that includes going to Puerto Rico um, last year in 2019, you know? Oh. So shoot back from 2000 to 2019. I had to pay a price for over a decade for that. Yeah. And, um, and so then that's what happened. And so I wound up uh, um, doing the EP. But out of all that, I, you meet people along the way. And I met Rick um, through all of these experiences. And so when I saw the catalog of songs that he had written and he had in his bank um, and he was, he was making videos for several of them. And one of them was this song, Midnight Will Be Clear. And um, so he made a short film for it, which got into some festivals and won an award. And, and uh, so I was doing some background for it, but during the shoot, I said to him, Rick, I, I would love to record the song. And he said, I would be honored. And I said, I got, I got to record this. And I just, it just felt like the right song and the right um, fit for me in terms of faith and in terms of uh, inclusivity. And I've never heard a Christmas song like this, Craig. I've never heard a song that spoke to the recovery community and that spoke to people who were sober. I've never heard a song, a Christmas right. song like this. And so- It sounds very I, country too. And there's also the, the, a bit of the country that's so common with country, my truck broke down and you know, all mm -hmm. the, which, so I, I think it's very relatable. How was your reception in Nashville when you wanted to record this? Was everyone supportive and aware of your Proclivity. Yes, because I had been working on a number of songs with my producer and he and I were experimenting with some of these sounds already. And I think what happened was that Rick's version of the song of the demo was 
to me, it sounded a little bit more like girl group, like um, it sounded a little bit more with the bells. It sounded like um, the Ronettes, it, like the, 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 the Phil Spector Christmas album. It had a little bit of that feeling to it. But when I heard it, I heard a story song and story songs fit so comfortably into country genre. I was already in Nashville and I said, let's bring in some guitars, let's add, and then my vocals, let's do a little bit of a bend. It just, it just produced itself. It was, it was bigger than us. It's like, all I had to do, Craig, was get out of the way. Well, on that note, you've set it up quite well, Adrian, and I'm gonna, let's take a listen to it right now. You ready? Yes. Midnight will be clear. It's Christmas Eve in the past. He would go to midnight mass. He'd sing songs of praise with gin on his breath, his mind in the haze. Not a day went by. He didn't need to get higher. Drink as sweet as the sound of the choir. His favorite song of the season is always ringing in his ears. His New Year's resolution he put down the bottle, it's been almost a year. His Christmas will be the first one in a long time. Said, Lord, help me, please. As soon as he did, he felt peace in his soul. On this holy day, he'd sing that glorious song of all. Will be 
I'm verklempt. <laughs> Had you heard it? <clears throat> oh, was this the first time you heard it? No, I have heard it a couple of times. Actually, um, we had a group uh, yesterday and Rick showed up and we did, we talked about you. <laughs> All in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. And yeah, and we listened to it there um, with, uh, we actually, I, put, I had taken it off YouTube the best, this I think was not off YouTube. This was a, bit, a little better quality, but uh, mm -hmm. than what we had yesterday. But yeah, no, I've listened to it. I think that I think I I hope my instinct is right, but I feel like its timing is right. And this year, and particularly at the end of 2021, when it's been such a struggle in so many ways, and continues to be, that uh, this is a good message. I, I have to always uh, say as well too that. In my experience with people that uh, perhaps have imbibed a bit, uh, raging alcoholics, let's just say it, and I've had, uh, they've had their times when they've, midnight was clear, and they just talk about how much they didn't realize they've been missing in life, that uh, so much of life has just slipped past them beyond their grasp, and they're grateful for uh, where they are at that moment, you know. So uh, it's a it's a really good message. Both of good good on both of you. Now, Rick did did he do okay with that? Did he did he do it justice? I just want to know. <laughs> your 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 mic is muted there, Rick. I thought I was unmuting myself. Can you hear me now? Yeah, it's like yeah. No, I thought he did a great job. I and when he said to me he wanted to record it, I was so excited. It was like, and um, I felt like you know when Dolly Parton had the song "I Will Always Love You" and it was in the movie. Um, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Yeah. And then 10 right. years later, Whitney Houston re-recorded it and it became a huge hit. That's what I feel like now. I, except I feel this one's going to be a little bigger than that one. No. <laughs> he doesn't look like Whitney, though. I, you know. Was it? No. <laughs> well, you know, we all, we all want to have our inner black girl come out sometimes, you know? <laughs> Good response. <laughs> so I've always, I've, always liked, I've always liked that idea. In fact, I almost wrote a show called uh, everybody wants to be a black girl. Um, but it's, uh, it's just that there's a diva in us, you know? Yeah. Um, but the thing is this, is that there's a couple of things. One is that, thank you, thank you, Rick, and, and, and uh, what a beautiful song. And I believe that it was inspired. It was touched by something bigger. And so he just kind of like, just let it flow through him. So this was something, I mean, because Rick and I both, have never been alcoholics nor drank or I've never had a drink in my life. Well, I do drink some, but I just don't, I don't, I only have like four or five a day. So no, right. I don't, um, I'm well, in the morning, drinker. in the morning, <laughs> but, um, so yeah, no, I, yeah, it's not, um, it wasn't from a, a lot of people ask if I wrote it from a personal perspective or if it's autobiographical and no, I just use my imagination and I was lying in bed in November a couple of years ago. And for some reason I was thinking of the song, it came upon a midnight clear, and I thought of this whole new twist on that song of someone, the first time it's going to be midnight will be clear because he stopped drinking. It just came to me, and I think I got out of bed and started writing it or whatever. But yeah, you got He calls it imagination. I call it inspiration. Uh, and I, yeah. I think that he was inspired. I think that he actually, something came to him. Like, I think that things come to us, and if they belong to us, then it happens. I... I was able to draw on my experience in um, just in the community, in the gay community, and just dating over the years and knowing people who struggled in 
in um, in the in the recovery community, and um, and so it was it was it had a deep meaning for me, and I felt a responsibility in the studio. The day I recorded it, I never forget. I was with Kevin, and I just felt like. I've got to take this really seriously. This is really important. And then, um, and I recorded it right before the lockdown. So what, it was being mixed and mastered during the, the pandemic, but it, my vocals were already in, in the can. And I was, um, it took on a different meaning in the pandemic because mm. when you think of midnight will be clear, it's kind of like midnight is, you know, it's the dawn of a new day and it's coming. Should I do it this way? It's coming and it's coming. And, and I got so many responses and I've got, I heard from someone who said, oh, everyone's going to put down that bottle the moment Joe Biden enters office. And um, everybody's been feeling, you know, so, you know, inhibited, suppressed, uh, depressed, you know, going through difficulty, financial woes, hardship, uh, health issues, not to mention, you know, COVID-19 and hospitalizations and, and losing family members, which many of us have. I have lost people um, to this pandemic. So I felt like, like, like this song was the f- perfect thing to to release in that we're going to be okay. It's going to get clear. Yeah. It's a healing, uh, mending kind of message in a way and, and, and inspires some hope at the same time. Yeah. I, I, I like, at first I heard um, when Joe Biden said he's going to fight for the soul of the nation. And I thought, oh, that sounds kind of corny. And about the third or fourth time I heard it, and I thought, you know, that's what we're really after, the soul, the soul, the real being of, of the United States and, and, and with, with honor and honesty and uh, embracing diversity. Uh, diversity is very powerful. Now, I'm going, to, um, I'm, I'm going to segue into some news here about because you're both here and you're both fabulous guests. And we Please. Can, it kind of is a nice segue. LGBTQ friendly companies. Now, you said you you uh, decided not to do uh, a recording opportunity because you wanted to be true to yourself. Right. I I was not true to myself and was um, working for a company that was very homophobic. Mm. And of course, after 11 years, one day they found out and within a a few weeks I was, was gone. I was on the corporate level and, and it really knocked me in a tailspin. Now, I don't know what, it took me years to recover, I feel like, and, and particularly to find another opportunity that was as uh, good and uh, well that I appreciated as much as the one I had there. Um, and so I, I, I understand, you know, uh, the hardship is so many, so what so many people have gone. So this, I get back to this article, LGBTQ friendly companies outperform in the stock market. How about that? I mean, if we want, I mean, it's not very Christmassy, but you know, it's it says that it, it makes a statement about. Uh, I'm going to read uh, companies more tolerant of differences in sexuality and gender identity have been a stock price boost as well, uh, according to an analysis from Credit Suisse. 
Suzy, Suzy, an investment bank put together a list of what it calls LGBTQ 350. There are companies either with openly lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender senior managers and or are voted LGBTQ inclusive employers by leading surveys, which I assume would include uh, the human rights campaign. They're really good on that if you're not mm -hmm. familiar with it. Uh, the top five companies are the same as the Standard & Poor's 500 tech giants, Apple, uh, Microsoft, uh, Google, and Amazon are uh, all very inclusive and have a very powerful uh, financial statement among many others, among 350 of them. So I just thought I'd toss that out there. You see, diversity is a good thing. and <laughs> We embrace diversity. I think that uh, that was a, a factor in the Supreme Court ruling. I think that's one of the reasons why um, this country bent up a bit and started to realize, whoa, that there are lots of LGBT people who do not have children. I mean, yes, there are that, that do, but there are a lot that don't. And, that, and, and also where couples have two incomes. And I think that that was, you know, the green, the color green factored into people going, oh, we better not discriminate too much. I think, I think there was a swing that happened, a, a pendulum swing. And that, I think that that, that was a, a factor it is, but I think it would be nice to feel, and perhaps perhaps we can uh, feel this way, is that it is more about, once they discover that, it's more about honor than it is about money. You know, they discover it, the money gets their attention, but then through that process, there was opportunity for the LGBT community to demonstrate that they are uh, I agree. contributors and, and a valuable um, for many reasons, you know. I know exactly what you're saying. For instance, that suddenly, you know, you see that our straight counterparts, you know, um, there are people who don't take marriage seriously or throw babies in garbage cans and that kind of thing. And then you see gay couples who are really responsible parents and raise children, you know, adopt children and really take great care of them because they are raised with love. Um, Rick, by the way, wrote an awesome book on, the, um, on children and explaining gay um, uh, people to, to relatives to children. Um, it's really a book for adults, not much for, as much for children, but it helps the family unit understand, you know, Uncle, jo Uncle Bob, who's gay, or, or Aunt Clara. Um, and, and so it's called Rainbow Relatives. And so I, I really suggest people pick, pick that up. Also, he's got a new book, um, How Catering Sucked the Life Right Out of Me. Uh, it's a humorous book. And I know that, uh, that uh, he's been on your show and everything, but we've been really, uh, our work just kind of like overlaps each other all the time. Um, uh, the, I think the book is really appropriate right now, especially if you're getting together with family. Uh, yeah, you're doing great it. gift. Great Christmas yeah. gift. <laughs> Hope you're doing it uh, responsibly, I'll say that. There was mm -hmm. an article I talked with a group yesterday that I found interesting that has to do with uh, conversion therapy. And, and it's uh, pretty well uh, been documented that it is not a real therapy, that it is a damaging uh, psycho. Uh, psychology mm -hmm. issue 
and that uh, it, it causes more, it causes severe damage and de- debilitating damage mm-hmm. and should not be practiced and in, in, in to the point that it's so damaging it's outlawed. Well, in uh, Australia, this young couple wanted to adopt and part of the adoption was uh, did they feel if they the child they got was turned out to be gay or if they were considering adopting a gay child, what would their attitude be about being gay? And they said, well, we would definitely put them in a, in a therapy group and get them cured and do conversion therapy. And the adoption services decided that that was not appropriate and denied them the, the adoption rights. And I, I, I agree with it. I, I mean, I'm sure their heart is in the right point and they want to have a, a child, but if they're going to have a child and it's going to, I really feel it, it, it damages, that it's been well-documented, it damages that that was the right decision. Mm-hmm. Um, even though there's a lot of kids that would love to be in a loving home, if the home is a threat to their well-being, then it's not a loving home. So right. that's my two cents on it. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. Um, I do think that it, it's uh, it's a it's a scary thing. Um, I think that there is also, um, you know, physical uh, damage in addition to the psychological and mental damage, um, scarring, and for years, and it passes on generation after generation. Um, but uh, and it's been going on. I mean, I'd read about that. Um, when I was a kid, I read about it. I knew about this for many years, and um, I was, you know, I've been fortunate. I've never been in the closet. So, and nor have I, you know, there are some people that you just like can't help but be gay. I'm, I guess I'm one of them. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I, oh, where you know. was it that, that we had uh, some seniors on the program yesterday? I think they were in their 70s and they shared on the program how they'd come out to their granddaughter to their granddaughters, I guess. And they go, oh, uncle, whatever it was, uncle Alan, that's just so unimportant. That just doesn't really matter. It's no big deal. Kind of like, why were you even thinking it was something that's, you know. Uh, well, because because it was a different uh, world even 30 oh, years yeah, ago. I, yeah. And, and, I, and, I, and I'm saying this in support because you already know this and Rick already knows this. But, you know, there was a time that I couldn't even walk the street uh, holding hands, although I lived in New York. And that was one of the reasons why I stayed there for so long, because I could live the way I wanted to live. But not everyone has that luxury. I get letters even now in 2020. I get letters, uh, you know, messages from people from all over the world, from India, from Pakistan, people who cannot be openly gay. And they reach out to me and they're kind of taken by the fact that I believe God, uh, you know, loves us and supports us as we are. And I, but I also have to say that I speak of like being, you know, never being in the closet, but I'm fortunate. I'm a lucky one. People fought in the 60s. People fought for that right that I have. They fought for, you know, you go to a pride march and now it's a big party. But years ago, it was an act of defiance. If you showed up at a pride march, people were afraid that if they were seen, they would actually get fired from their jobs. I mean, it was a... It was a different world, I remember different time. In, um, 
in Phoenix years ago when they had their Pride Festival, they had the camera-free zone mm-hmm. where you could go to the to the festival, but there were no cameras were not allowed, so no one could take a photograph of you and mm-hmm. expose you per se, which was yeah. really sad. But I, 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 there's two things I want to get here. First of all, I want to. You talk about listeners all over the the world, and I find yes. the same thing, and I want to talk about that more. But I want to call out to a dear friend of mine in the UK who is in severe lockdown, and and it's a it's I think more tough in the in the UK at this point with what they're going through, and that's Lynn. She's a dear friend of mine, and she always comes every summer. I miss her this year, and she will be back. I keep telling her we will be back. We will have that opportunity. Uh, maybe it won't be till the end of next year, but I really do feel that it's, it's, it's going to happen. So that's my mm-hmm. shout out to Lynn. I, um, I often use Alturi, A-L-T-U-R-I news, and it's an international news and it's gay international news. And I read it every week and I think I've been a pretty good study of, of the organization there. They really do a good job about finding out what's going on a global level, and including the United States and Canada. And so I get a lot of interesting news articles out of it. But when you read just how many places it, uh, it is still um, a death sentence, and, uh, or at least imprisonment. Mm-hmm. And I've, a funny thing I found about Africa is that there's parts of Africa where, and it's a big continent, I agree, but there's part of Af- Af- parts of Africa that are very uh, accepting and um, pretty supportive. And there's parts that it's against the law, you're going to be dropped from a building rooftop, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's the, the difference is just alarming. And it, it, it speaks to this culture, which I think we're experiencing now in the United States of, of uh, scare tactics and, and hyperbole that is just horrible that that gives you uh, reason to hate or dislike or whatever, you know, I, and I think that uh, some of those, by, by example, some of those countries have swallowed it, mm-hmm. you know, and other countries have come a great distance and there's still progress, you know, like India, it just got outlawed. Uh, and mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that the culture is going to change and they're still family, they still feel families are responsible to care, kill their children uh, over it. Uh, wow. You know, or at least disown them, but uh, you know, kill them is not a, it's not off the off of the off the table. The list, yeah. Yeah, I get it, and uh, uh, it's it's um, you know, it's hard. It's just hard for people to crack through something that they don't feel. They feel like if they don't feel the way you feel, that you're wrong. It's like mm-hmm. um, if you don't think the way I think, the same thing you know, with 2020 and people who wanted to believe that COVID was a hoax and, and, and don't wear a mask and the people who did or people who believe conspiracy theories. We're in a time where so much information is jumbled and mixed and twisted and, and people really wonder what the truth is. I get the, you know, the struggle in terms of, uh, you know, when I travel, I see it. And yeah. uh, when I did the tour, it was um, interesting to see, even in America, um, some different parts of the country oh, yeah. still had some issues with, you know, in, when I went to Texas, when I went to, you know, um, uh, some, par- some parts of Georgia, um, it was, uh, there were, 
there are places I go, I go wherever I'm invited, wherever I'm welcomed. And I don't, you know, change who I am for that. But uh, we were in Puerto Rico and there were, you know, um, there were people who stopped going to the church over there, the gay church over there, because, because people were talking. I said, why, why have you not come to this church? You know, they came to see me sing and why have you not come? And he, and he said, because people are, people talk about us. You know, there there were a couple and I just found that to be sad that they have Mm, to be hidden in closed doors. Like if it's 1950, but the, um, you got to remember there's a whole generation where it was a triple whammy and and a very severe one. It's against the law. It was against, it was an immoral Sodomy laws. And you were uh, ill. It was an illness. So those three things against you, and who do you go talk to? So I have people across the United States, and uh, they'll send me messages and listen. And, and uh, for some reason, I have a lot of them in India and in uh, yes, in Africa. I have me a lot. Me too. And I get, I got requested, I'm, 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 going, uh, I'm going to an international leg of the tour when I was about to start it and when this lockdown happened. But um, in 2022, I hope to get out. Uh, I got invited by four countries um, to, uh, including uh, South Africa, including, oh, oh, um, yeah, I've been invited to uh, Colombia in South America. I've been invited to um, Germany and also to Canada. So, so I, I'm going to go to those places when it's the right time. But people live differently than we do in the urban metropolitan areas. Oh, we're so we are so here. fortunate. Yeah. I, um, I, when I also look at the news, I try to find good news, things that, that we can say, this is good. And so we'd have two lesbians of color named to the White House communication staff and not just to low-level positions. It's uh, two longtime political activists, both lesbians of color, have been named White House communications positions by President-elect Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Irene Pierre, who is black, will be principal deputy press secretary uh, to the White House. And uh, Philly Tobar, who is Latinx, Latinx, I don't know how to say that, will be deputy House White House communications director. The Biden transition mm-hmm. team announced Sunday. So... Mm-hmm. And, and plus, and all ladies, uh, it's the, it is the first time all of the top aides tasked with speaking on behalf of the administration and shaping its message to be female. How about that? I think women are kicking ass I right know. now. <laughs> um, you know, and God bless Stacey Abrams and, 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 and what they're doing out there in Georgia. Um, and, but I, I, I think that this is a response to just how rigid it's been in the last four years where people felt like, you know, our government is not representative of who we are as a nation. Look at who we elected in the governor's races. You know, there's a transgender person who got, you know, yeah. us in the Senate uh, as well. There's, there's people of diversity now. And so it's, um, it's, it, it's, it's a response to what it was, which was so narrow before. I feel like, you know, we just all need to really coexist. And that's why Joe Biden mm-hmm. is so um, 
potent right now in his message because he understands as a white man how important it is that America be reflected, uh, that, that the government be reflective of its nation. Adrian, and I, it's important. I remember when Pete Buttigieg was running, he was talking about uh, the systemic issues about racism and his experience with it. And he made it really clear that it's white people that need to deal with it. And, and I, I feel when it comes to Joe Biden, I feel like it, it needs to be the white person to speak because other people are not going to, they're going to dismiss it. It's another angry black person. But it, it was correct that Joe Biden was the person because I always felt that it was going to be Joe, Joe Biden. I felt it years ago. And when, it, when oh, the no. race and the thing and, and the reason I felt it was because I knew the black community was behind him. I knew it because he was always considered the uncle because Ob um, Barack Obama was considered father. And so there was a there was already a relationship there with uh, with him. So that was one piece of the puzzle that I saw. I, too, was very um, excited about Pete Buttigieg. And I know that he's got an incredible future in front of him. I think and so. I, I would do anything to support him and to, uh, you know, nurture him and to, you know, you know, to appear for him anywhere. I would, I would stomp ground for him. Um, how, but I just, I think that where we were, um, you know, people weren't even ready for a woman president. You know, no. and it's 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 as crazy as that is still. However, we cracked through and Joe had to open that door. It took a white man to open that door. Even more than that, I feel I, I've had and an establishment white man, someone who's been around, too. I, well, that's I, that's where I'm headed. I, mm -hmm. it's, uh, people say, well, uh, he's been there for, you know, why Joe Biden? There must be someone more exciting. This, and I said, if you, if you know him, you would realize that he is the right person at the right time. He has a yeah. lifetime of experience that has set the stage with a perfect playbill. And I just think he's going he's gonna to bring the audience together and it's going to be uh, uh, in uh, variety as the best uh, stage play ever. <laughs> and I have to be honest with you, if I really felt that the Republican p opponent was really viable and really uh, open and wasn't just, uh, you know, extreme. I did, uh, I, I, I would support that. I'm open to some Republican ideas. Um, so I'm, I, I'm not opposed to it. It's just that, it's just that when, when they speak of, um, you know, when they speak of, uh, you know, of opportunity, the problem with opportunity and racism in this country is that we are not all starting from the same starting ground. We didn't all, right. we weren't all born in the same lane, uh, you know, of the race. So some are way ahead and some are not. And there's a reason for that, for that imbalance of why, you know, people who are in the projects are kept to stay poor you know, it's uh, so there's a lot to that. I didn't get incredibly involved politically this year, except for my uh, concerns for the health, um, uh, you know, the, the health emergency in this country, which was 
COVID-19 and expansive testing, which is something that I was really a proponent of early on talking about vast testing all in, you know, in one shot, like a nationwide testing. And I was pushing for that, but I could see that it was falling on deaf ears. And I felt like it's just not going to be the time as the as the tests were getting better and as results were being same day results or next day results were happening, because in the beginning, you remember it took like a week or two to get a week to get the results. So, um, but I think that also we weren't getting any help from the government sending mixed messages, covering up the numbers from the CDC reports on what the case numbers were as well as the, um, you know, um, as well as the deaths. And we talk about numbers like they're just like, like it's a chart, but they're human lives. And I am really incredibly passionate about the, about this issue because I feel like we've lost humanity. So when something that you said of Joe Biden, you know, expressed that appeared maybe cornball at first, I, I do see that, but I think it's because Craig, that, We've become so numbified by, yeah. if that's a word, if that we've become so numb from um, not, you know, not caring, not being humane, well, not thinking about the fellow man, and not caring about lives. All we cared about is money, economy, jobs, and jobs are important. People need to eat, but right. we have to really take care of one another. And if we don't do that, it's not going to happen. I agree. I I think. My experience with Joe Biden was I, when he won the nomination, I thought, well, I'm, let me spend some time and get to know him. And I watched on YouTube yeah. go back to several uh, times he's given speeches, and, and it's for the last three or four years. And when I got all done with it, I just said that this is absolutely the right person at the right time. There's just and I, and, and can he, I say one more final thing yeah, on, on on Joe Biden is that. Um, people were complaining that um, it seemed like, okay, now we've got a boring guy um, and it's going to be boring. Well, I don't want to be entertained um, by, by, by our government. Uh, Mm -hmm. This is not the circus. You know, I don't, um, this is not Jerry Springer. You know, this is, this is, this is governing a country running it so that we can grow and prosper and strengthen our climate so we can have foreign relations that are sane so that we can really continue to progress as an, as, as a planet. So it's, it's a bigger deal to me. And so I don't need my politics to be exciting. I don't need, and I certainly don't need it to be about what somebody said about somebody else. That's not what, what we're here for. They can be exciting when it comes to doing the right thing and making lives uh, more. Um, but that doesn't make copy, right? That doesn't no, exactly I, I, get yeah. airtime. And they yeah. love to roll it 24 yeah, hours right. a day on the same issue of like, oh, he did this or they, this was said or, or you, know, uh, you know, he called her a, a gypsy. You know, it's, it's marketable, just, but for me, it's, it's exciting. It's interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then the networks really tag on to it and they – they get advertising dollars for it and they profit from it. And, and meanwhile, we're screwed as a country. So I did it. So, you know, I, I did an opinion about the loss of bumper stickers and uh, it yes. reflects the, and, and it talks about how we've all been so stymied in the, and the profitability of the major news organizations and everything. 
brings it all together. And at the end, I say we should bring back bumper stickers, which means we would talk about the candidates. We talk about their issues. We would not be afraid to talk about it at work. And it go, it's it's a uh, it's on YouTube. I should I should send it to you. You'd probably get a kick out. I gotta t- say uh, this is KX FM one hundred four point seven, and I'm here with uh, Adrian Christian and Rick Caritas. Caritas. <laughs> No one can pronounce it right, so don't worry. Okay. It's a Turkish name, and it's, the S is actually pronounced S-H, so that's even, you know, oh. it's really Karatash or really? Karatash, you know, but, you know, if someone says Karatas, that's close enough. Okay. <laughs> He's so cool. <laughs> and we're wishing everyone a, uh, a Merry Christmas. I I got to uh, I got to wrap it up and say goodbye to my to my gentlemen. You're welcome to, to stick around and, and listen to the rest of the program, but I got to get some... Uh, some music up and get ready for my next person. I want to see Rick, but um, not Rick. I mean, Adrian. Now mm-hmm. we've listened to the music. Mm-hmm. If, you just, if, if you're just tuning in and you wonder what the heck's going on here, we have uh, an artist that wrote the music. We have an artist that sang and produced the music. And, and it's called. Midnight will be clear. Midnight will be clear. And you can, re- you can get it right now. It was released, I think on the third. Was it the no, it, it was released on Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving? And, yeah, on Thanksgiving Day on midnight. It was released at midnight. And uh, <laughs> it's uh, Midnight Will Be Clear is on iTunes and all, anywhere you get your music, Amazon music. Um, and it's, uh, I think it's a special song, uh, but people love it. And I'm really, I'm stunned by the reaction. People are really buying this song, you know, right alongside of, of Dolly Parton's new release and write a song, Robbie Williams, write alongside Michael Buble. I mean, um, you know, I'm, I'm small potatoes, but people really like the song. A song, a good song is a good, a good Christmas song is a great Christmas song. Anyone you want to shout out to? My nephew, Alex, uh, Alexander Darius Fowler, his birthday today and happy birthday, Alex. I love you. Happy birthday, Alex. <laughs> Rick, is anyone you want to? Um, no, I want to say, uh, well, happy birthday to uh, Adrian on tomorrow, I believe. Oh, no. We're <laughs> that under wraps, huh? So do Adrian a wonderful Christmas gift. Go buy his song and play it for all your friends and tell them to subscribe <laughs> to the song. It makes a great gift. <laughs> Christmas, a great, and just in time for Christmas. <laughs> Absolutely. We're going to go to Craig, some... it's great to see you, by the way, and I love seeing you. Thank you yes, so thanks. much. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you here. It makes it so much more fun. I, I've been looking forward to this, uh, pro- the program all week, actually, and getting here and uh, doing my hair and, you know, everything. Trying to, yeah. Trying to be presentable. So No, you're looking good. You're looking good. You're doing all right, man. <laughs> I'm living pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with things, so. And I know a lot of people are, it's very difficult this time of year, but you know, we play old music and, and look at uh, old photographs and reminisce, and then we get all emotional and, and we can't go anywhere. So not a great combination. <laughs> anyway, love you all. And I'm going to, we're going to step out here with a song, Riptide, and we'll be back on the other side of it to, to sign off. Okay. Thanks again, you guys. Oh, my friends are...
This is Craig, KXFM 104.7 here, just uh, a couple weeks before Christmas, talking Christmas things here. Um, my, my replacement has come in here. I get replaced every, every week about this time. They say, okay, that's enough. Get the hook, pull him out of here. Anyway, I, I had the best conversation with my two co-hosts today, and uh, I hope that they can both come back again. Um, soon, maybe, well, maybe after recovery, when we all have a recovery story <laughs> and can look in retrospect about how we persevered and uh, came out on the other side. That sounds like a good thing, too. I, I'm, anx- I, I'm anxious to travel again. I mean, to take a flight to, I'd love to go to London again uh, soon and see friends. They said I can come and stay for as long as I want. How about that? <laughs> so, so we're good with that. So I'm going to uh, call it a show, and uh, Ida May will be here in just an, another minute. Merry Christmas, everyone. Be safe. Wear your mask. Stay at home. We'll get through this. Thank you. Thank you. 